Hello and welcome to the Courtney Turner Radio Hour. It is Monday, January 8th of 2024 and it is such an honor to be here with you at this time on WWCR Worldwide Radio and you can find me here at this time weekly on Mondays and for those of you who are not familiar with my work, you can go to CourtneyTurner.com. I will be posting the video version of this, which will have some visuals if you want to reference that later. Uh, that is CourtneyTurner.com. So I spell my name a little differently. It's like Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R. And that is where you can find all of my stuff. And uh, yeah, so this is, a, I'm kind of a rookie with all of this. So I've got lots of notes here. <laughs> And we're going to try and keep this into one hour, but we might have to do a part two. Um, I'm kind of new to this type of format, so bear with me. But we've got a lot to break down today. But I thought before we go into this, um, this topic, as you may see from the title, uh, I'm talking about ARC, which is the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship. This is a topic that was, when it was first brought onto my radar, you know, it was a little curious. I was definitely intrigued. And the further I dug into it, the more it seems to stink. So I, I hope I'm wrong, but we're going to dive in. And of course, this is just, you know, my research, my opinion, speculation. It is not intended to be taken as anything other than a launching pad for you to do your own research. So uh, without being said, I thought we would start with two quotes. The first one is that it's going to help set the stage. And the first one is the best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves. That, of course, is Vladimir Lenin. The second one is to play those millions of minds to watch them slowly respond to an unseen stimulus to guide their aspirations without their knowledge. All this, whether in high capacities or humble, make an endless game of chess of ever extraordinary excitement. And that is from Sidney Webb, who is the influential leader of the Fabian Socialist Society, which was formed in 1884, and it was chartered by the Crown with the purpose of ushering in the world collectivist state through incrementalism and uh, this versus violent revolution. And uh, this is, you know, the basis of what we today call Fabian Socialism. And this is also part of why their uh, logo is the tortoise. It's modeled after this idea of incrementalism. You know, they slowly, gradually roll out their plans rather than all at once with a violent revolution. Their uh, coat of arms is actually a wolf in sheep's clothing, which I think is kind of fitting as well. And especially fitting for the topic we're going to talk about today, in my opinion. Again, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, so, yeah, let's start with, perhaps, I always like to go to the source. So maybe we'll go look at the website. Uh, so for those of you who are listening, it is ARC, uh, the ARC website. Again, that's, uh, I think it's ARC.org. And, uh, yeah, so we can look at what they say Um and about themselves, and they say it's the moral universe of the long, but it, it sorry, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And uh, yeah, then we can play the video, and then I will read you their about statement. So, see, so have the video at the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship 
Do not believe that humanity is necessarily and inevitably teetering on the brink of apocalyptic disaster. We do not believe that we are beings primarily motivated by lust for power and the desire to dominate. We do not regard ourselves or our fellow citizens as destructive forces living in an alien relationship to the pristine and pure natural world. If you look out into the world at the moment, there are a series of narratives out there, these stories that we're telling ourselves that are actually determining a lot of our global behavior. If you've got children, you're exposed to some of this in a really visceral way. And you see your children coming home fearful about the future. There's this sort of cataclysmic belief that the future is dangerous. And somehow we are to blame. There is an epidemic mental health crisis worldwide, in great part due to the breakdown of the social fabric and confusion over values where economic prosperity, work, and materialism is prioritized over family. And so the despair that we see around us, right, the breakdown of, of all of these social connections is related to a vision of the human being which sees the, the person as just a consumer. Promoting that, reducing humans to consumers, or criticizing it and criticizing humans for being parasites on the world. But what is a better story? What is the better story that we can, we can tell uh, that will enable us to walk forward the way we need to walk forward as societies and nations? That is really going to be the big theme. And it's time to bring a more optimistic vision and to believe in ourselves, in our civilization, in the things that made it such an extraordinary civilization. We need to formulate a different vision. And I think that we have in our traditions, we have in our great theological movements of the West in the past 2000 years, we have the possibility of formulating a different vision of humans. Humans that exist in love with each other, that are submitted to the transcendent good, and that can work together towards a, a better future. The rejection of our traditional beliefs have not produced viable alternative narratives, only deconstructionist theories. We must reinvigorate our sense of citizenship. We must encourage one another to serve, to step up, to lead with courage wherever leadership is needed. The ARC network that I'm a part of will seek to address these goals and more. If we get this right, if we can give people confidence again Maybe in our identity as people and communities and nations, then we'll start to reverse some of the more negative trends that have accompanied the more positive ones. So hopefully it can have a very long-lasting impact. ARC is emerging already as a wonderful community of people who are just full of hope for the way forward and um, want to bring in a different culture and a different vision for where we can go as a people. I believe in great minds meeting and looking together for solutions. You cannot overestimate the impact of an idea. There is a greater narrative that we can all chime in on for the things that we all want together, which is human flourishing, human prosperity, human well-being, all moored to hope. We posit that men and women of faith and decisiveness made in the image of God can arrange their affairs with care and attention so that abundance and opportunity could be available for all. We hope to encourage the development of an alternative pathway uphill 
out of both tyranny and the desert, stabilizing, unifying, and compelling to men and women of sound judgment and free will. Welcome aboard the Ark. All right. Well, that sounds great. I think a lot of things in there sound really good. I want to read you what they say on their about page. They announced as a concept back in February of this year, ARC describes itself as an international community with a vision for a better world where every citizen can prosper, contribute, and flourish. We are inviting you to join us in developing a better narrative in response to life's most fundamental social, economic, philosophical, and cultural question. We reject the the inevitability of decline. Instead, are seeking solutions which draw on humanity's highest virtues and extraordinary capacity for innovation and ingenuity. So the first two things I will say is I, it is a little bit interesting to me. It does kind of sound, uh, they, I, Jordan Peterson went on uh, Rogan and talked about how this was essentially like a counter to the World Economic Forum. However, this does sound like they are creating a uh, responsible, quote unquote, global citizen. And that looks like very much what the aim is here. It is also kind of interesting that they're taking a very pro-liberty, very pro-individualistic uh, type of stance in terms of uh, the narrative that they're crafting. However, they are using a very collectivist uh, methodology to do so. They're all uniting uh, to create a counter to the World Economic Forum is, is what they say. Uh, and uh, what was the other thing that I wanted to point out? Oh, they, they keep, well, we're going to get to this, but they keep talking about a better story, a better narrative, which just seems a lot like the great narrative, right? That Klaus Schwab just wrote. Um, that was his book after COVID-19, The Great Reset. So let's dive into who are the people in this arc. So obviously the uh, figurehead for all of this is Jordan Peterson. I will just share a little bit about my personal, uh, you know, perspective just to give you kind of context on, you know, my uh, awareness of Jordan Peterson. So back in 2020, I was first made aware of Jordan Peterson, and it was, like many people, it was a very difficult time for me, and I ended up diving down, just consuming every possible podcast. I read most of his, I read his two books at the time, you know, he's since read, wrote another one, um, but, and I I really enjoyed Maps of Meeting much more than um you know, Total Rules of Life, uh, which I also thought that was just kind of interesting, his uh, titles, right? It's uh, uh, Beyond Order, uh, An Antidote to Chaos, which I, even at the time, I found that very kind of interesting that that was the title. Isn't that kind of the uh, occult, you know, out of order ca uh, chaos? Yeah. Um, I thought that was just interesting. And then the uh, other one is Beyond Order. So, yeah, the two titles of the book. But anyhow, I was a huge, huge fan. This, is a, you know, I'm trying to make this pretty quick, but just to let you know, I was a huge, huge fan. Read his books, watched, I think, you know, both of his Maps of Meaning courses. He did one, I think, in 2014, one in 2016. Uh, his uh, human personality uh, lectures. I devoured as much as I could. Started diving down the intellectual dark web, and then, of course, he took a hiatus because he was in rehab for his uh, addiction to benzodiapines and he ended up in a coma for six months and he was in Russia during that time I believe for rehab and of course when he came back 
I was so excited and ready to consume all of the content possible. And the very first podcast he did when he came back. Now, I don't know if this is the first one he did. If there was one sooner, I might not be aware. The first one I'm aware of was one that he did with uh, Douglas Murray. And I personally felt very betrayed <laughs> um, because it was Douglas Murray, who is a Brit, and Jordan Peterson, who is Canadian, and the two of them spent this entire discussion, or a large portion of it, it felt like the entire discussion, trashing, uh, you know, basically the political right in the United States, saying that uh, Trump supporters were delusional, that there was no fraud, that they were sore losers, and they needed to just move on with it. I actually was so upset, I couldn't listen to the entire podcast, and halfway through I stopped and then I decided I had to listen to the rest of it because it was not fair of me to pass judgment till I listened to the entire conversation and so I listened to the rest of it and it, towards the end he talks about how he had a conversation with his wife about how he always she said you always say that the judicial system in the United States is so corrupt do you think that played a hand and he got very you know defensive and said absolutely not they're just delusional and they need to get over it and move on uh, so I thought that was just interesting and you know, my personal theory is it does seem like there was some sort of a switch uh, that happened during that time. Obviously, I don't have, you know, receipts to prove that, but it feels like knowing what I know about MKUltra, um, you know, mind control programming and assets, that it does kind of look like that might be going on here. You know, again, just my personal opinion. I don't have any way of proving it. That's just my intuition. Um, but here's some interesting things. We're going to uh, I have, I found that, you know, at this arc, he's wearing this suit and it's this red and blue suit, which is a very, it's very interesting. So I, it made me think of, and apparently I'm not the only one because I, I found this picture. It made me think of Two-Face from uh, Gotham City, you know, who uh, he becomes uh, obsessed with the number two and the concept of duality and uh, the conflict between good and evil. So one of uh, Jordan Peterson's quotes at ARC was, if we are wise, faithful, courageous, and responsible, we can tilt the world towards heaven and away from hell. Nothing wrong with that statement, except it does seem kind of uh, reminiscent of this duality. And uh, some other quotes that were just interesting at McGill, I split myself in two. Peterson told Esquire magazine in 2018, Peterson got very sick from, as I was talking about, the benzodiazepine uh, addiction. Uh, and he, I mean, he talked, it sounds really awful. You know, he was having tremors and it, it sounds like it was a really awful experience. And then after that treatment, he could neither walk nor remember large parts of his life. Also kind of indicates to me there might have been some sort of an MK Ultra occurring. But again, I don't know. And then during the... You know, during that time is when he wrote that book. So um, all just kind of interesting things. But I wanted to give you just the context of like my perspective on all of this. And, you know, he's recently he's known for his atheist views. He used to talk about Pasquale's wager a lot, how, you know, he would act as though there is a God. Um, and then, of course, he did the Bible series, which was very popular. Uh, but he made very clear that he was not a Christian. However, he does seem to. He's been very publicly talking about a conversion, although I recently saw a video, uh, very recently, I think it was only a few weeks ago, where somebody asked if he had converted and if he's now a Christian, and he said that it was about the most personal thing that someone could ask him, and that he wasn't going to answer. 
essentially. Uh, that wasn't his exact words. But now I actually don't disagree with him. I think that, you know, a relationship with with God, creator, you know, your personal beliefs are incredibly personal. Uh, we live in a world of social media where everybody puts everything on full display, even their most intimate details of their lives and their thoughts. And I, I would happen to argue that I actually think that that's true. It is quite personal, but very interesting for somebody who's now leading a whole movement that's couched under the umbrella of Christianity. And I, I don't know what to say about that. You know, but it, it is very interesting and I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, so a couple of other things about him. Uh, you know, his new book is actually called Wrestle with God. I haven't read it. I don't know that it's out yet, so I don't know what that is, but it's an interesting title. Um, the other thing to note about him is that he worked on the UN Secretary General's high level panel on sustainable development. Uh, he edited a document that was released in 2013. That is entitled A New Global Partnership, Eradicate Poverty, and Transform Economies Through Sustainable Development. The report of the high-level panel emanates persons on post-2015 development agenda. And one of those panel members was none other than uh, John Podessa. So uh, he, so I think that's interesting to note as well. There was, I, I couldn't find the clip. Um, but I did want to make note of it for you. Um, there was a panel actually at ARC and they were talking about how e the one person was saying how ESG is a hindrance to actually achieving the 17 sustainable goals. And so we should just skip it and we should go right to 1.6% of uh, the world's capital towards achieving them directly. And then there was another person on that panel who was talking about how women should represent at least 30% of all of the institutional boards. This is very interesting for, you know, something that is supposed to be conservative, quote unquote, um, which is kind of how they're presenting it. I'm not arguing that it necessarily is, but they, Jordan Peterson definitely has said on many occasions that this is, to, you know, a counter to something like World Economic Forum. So that's interesting. So I decided to take a little look into the company filings just to get a backstory because this was very new to me. I hadn't heard of ARC and I didn't know if it was an NGO, a uh, you know charity, is it a company, what is their history? So it actually started out as Prosperity UK 2017, which I kind of just thought was very interesting timing because those of you who are familiar with Jordan Peterson might remember that was right about when he catapulted to fame with the Bill C-16 uh, against the pronouns for, you know, people, uh, the trans and whatnot. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting timing. So it did file in 2016 and uh, then... Uh, you know, it was Prosperity UK, 20, 20, uh, sorry, yes, 2017 for a while. And then uh, in 2018, right, so here, if, for those who are watching, you know, here's a list of uh, the Certificate of Incorporation as a private limited company. Uh, I don't have time to go into this now, but there were some very interesting players involved uh, who are in the Cayman Islands. And I, I think it's definitely worth doing a deeper dive on that at a later date. Um but yeah, for this, I don't think there's quite time to go into this. But of course, Sir Paul Marshall, who we're going to get to, is uh, definitely a key figure here. Um, and then in 2018, they ha um, 
they had a, a, on their filing when I went to that, it shows you a link to this document, 2017 to 2018, and they talk about how uh, they were uh, going to achieve the UN sustainability goals. And uh, so it was right there. And so, of course, I went and linked on that. And then I found, uh, yeah, so it was their Prosperity Fund Annual Report 2017, 2018. And here's the, this quote I thought was interesting. It said, the report shows that the fund is helping to meet the UN Sustainable Development Goal and highlights programs already delivering, such as, I won't go through all of them, but definitely worth checking out. I thought that that was pretty interesting for somebody who is uh, claiming to be a counter to the World Economic Forum. It is all about the 17 Sustainable Goals. Um, yeah, so that was interesting. And then what else do we have when, uh, oh, so then they go through a whole bunch of uh, changes. So in uh, 2022, there were several address changes. And uh, you can see that when you go look at the uh, UK.gov, you know, under the Prosperity UK 2017, it's pretty easy to find. A quick search brought it right up for me. Um, and then in 2023, they changed the name to ARC, Alliance for Responsible Citizenship. So, and it does look like Sir Paul Marshall has, a, it, I think they said not, I think it was like not less than 25, but not more than 50%. They didn't give an exact, but he's definitely a large shareholder. Um, so, yeah, who else was on here? Um, I don't know. Yeah, Alan McCormick. We'll get to him. Uh, Jonathan Hopkin Hill. I didn't do too much. Uh, I'm not going to report too much of him right now. But, of course, Christopher Chandler. We'll get to him. Um, yeah, so I, I thought. Yeah, I think that it's a really easy site. I would definitely dive into all of that. So now, just for the sake of time, maybe we will move on to the key players on the advisory board of ARC. And these are all just right on their website. Again, I don't have time to go through all of them. Like I said, I might do a part two. We'll dive deeper too. This is just an overview. All of this was very interesting to me, and I really want to get to just kind of where I think this is all going and why I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about it from more of a cultural, philosophical kind of perspective, um, as my, uh, you know, title may have indicated. So who are the key players? There is, of course, Sir Paul Marshall. <laughs> and he was knighted by the crown, actually, in 2016. He is worth, uh, this is euro, I believe, or maybe it's pounds, sorry. Uh, 680 million, according to the Sunday Times Rich List. He is an Oxford grad. He started his journey. So now I found mixed things on this. Some places I found that he started uh, at uh, BlackRock, and then others uh, talked about other firms that he had started at. But in 1997, he went on to then co found Marshall and Waste. And this is very interesting because uh, I think it was a $50 million uh, like injection that got him started with this Marshall Waste Fund. And it was half of that came from George Soros. So he got his big funding from George Soros. I think that's worth repeating, especially since uh, they're the way they're couching all of this as being, you know, a great opposition to the World Economic Forum and to the globalists. So uh, the 
that I think it's around 62 billion is what they say uh, that fund is worth and he's still the chair on it. Um, he also co-founded a uh, something called ARC also. It was, uh, but this was a, it's called Absolute Return for Kids and it was a educational program. And this was uh, in partnership with Michael Gove, who is also involved in ARC. Um, so that was pretty interesting as well. Um, and then what else can I mention? His father were, uh, worked for what became the Philippines Unilever and his sister is Penny Marshall. So all interesting ties. And then also just a side note that um, he's also very involved in GB News, which is a whole other can of worms we may or may not have time to unravel. Um, but GB News is a kind of a media mogul uh, of its own. And uh, the parent company of that is All Perspectives, LTD. And just an interesting connection here because the one of the founders of that is actually uh, Lord Farmer, who is the father of Candace Owens' husband. So there's just an interesting connection with Daily Wire, Jordan Peterson, Candace Owens, and of course, Lord Farmer. And next we have Alan McCormick. And Alan McCormick, of course, is, uh, he was the, I think he's one of the partners of Legatum. And uh, yeah, so he's a partner of the investment group Legatum. And uh, with his several other partners, he plays a governance role in the N Fund, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, the Luminous Fund at the Legatum Center for Entrepreneurship at MIT, and the Legatum Institute Foundation. And he's also the creator of Legatum Prosperity Index, the chairman of GB News, <laughs> uh, which is Great Britain's newest television network. And I guess it's the uh, like most recent uh, network. They, they call it a right-wing network since Sky News. And... Uh, what else was I going to say about Alan McCormick? I think, oh yeah, managing director of Legatum. And uh, let's see, Global Partnership, Board of Directors on the End Fund. Yeah, so, all right, that that's uh, Alan McCormick. And then we have Andrew Hasty. Um, and he, so there are a lot of Australians involved in this, which I also found kind of interesting I do feel like a lot of the New World Order testing, beta testing comes out of Australia. I have a lot of theories on why, but we'll save that for another time. Um, but he was the Australian Shadow Minister for Defense. <laughs> Having served in the Parliament since 2015, he chaired the Joint Parliamentary Committee for Intelligence and Security in 2017-2020. He was the Assistant Minister of Defense 2020-2022 uh, and private Prior to his public life, he was the Army officer serving Special Air Service Regiment. So the military intelligence connection is very interesting. Uh, he he gave speech, I believe, at this ARC forum. And he's also known for having publicly rejected libertarian uh, beliefs, saying that the government is not the problem. Uh, <laughs> so I think that is, again, interesting when we're talking about, you know, pro-individualism. And then who do we have next? We have Reva T Melissa Tez. She is quite an interesting character. Her background is in technology and finance. Uh, she uh, she was also she's involved in a venture fund angel as an angel investor, but she's working on with Praxis on building a company with Peter Thiel. Um, this does look like it's kind of like a fifteen minute city. I could be wrong, but it's it's interesting and. 
She's quoted saying things like transhumanism, as weird as it sounds. She is also a member of the transhumanist party, political party, that is. I had no idea there was such a party. And apparently it's been around for quite some time. So that was fascinating to me. And then we have Christopher Chandler, who, of course, is a, a partner of the Dubai-based investment firm, Legatum. Uh, he is... a uh, yeah, so Legatum is a major, major uh, funder, along with Sir Paul Marshall, to this uh, whole ARC enterprise. And uh, that is quite interesting <laughs> since Legatum has, we'll get to it a little bit, but I will show you actually um, where you can find these documents that the World Economic Forum is actually a client of Legatum. So here we have, it uh, looks like... Uh, you know, the two wings of the same bird type of thing going on here. And Christopher Chandler, his brother is Richard Chandler. He is uh, he is also affiliated with All Perspectives, LTD, which, of course, is the parent company for uh, GB News. And uh, he's the partner in GB News as well. Um, he and uh, the partner in Legatum. So... And then his brother, Richard Chandler, was invited to become a, this was interesting to me, in 2017 to become a core partner. And they're, they're involved in a lot of uh, funds uh, together and then some separately. But the core impact, Richard, was a new global, mo it's a new global model for collaborative philanthropy and social change at scale. Other core partners include people like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Jeffrey Skoll, Romesh, and Kathy Wadawini. Wad Wadawani, sorry, Wadawani. And, of course, the Rockefeller Foundation. Then who else do we have? We have uh, Dan Cranshaw, who is, uh, we know he was a young global leader. So, again, interesting to, uh, <laughs> as the counter to World Economic Forum, um, but he was elected to represent the people of Texas uh, second, in the 2nd Congressional District in November 18, uh, 2018. He served the House Energy Commerce Committee, the House of uh, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. And September 2016, he was medically retired after years lieutenant uh, commander in the SEAL teams. So that's, that's a public, uh, you know, uh, bio they have for him. But we know he was a young global leader. I think he's pretty, most people are pretty familiar with him. I don't need to go too much detail on him. Then the next one is Jonathan Paggio. And uh, he's an artist, a writer, a public speaker, a pioneer in the revival of liturgic art, liturgical art uh, for the 21st century. And through his podcast, The Symbolic World, he fosters the rediscovery of symbolic thinking and a vision for a reenchantment of the world. I think that's an interesting uh, <laughs> phrase, the reenchantment of the world. This kind of alludes to a bit of my concern that I do feel like we'll see this uh, video. I'm foreshadowing here, but the video at the end, uh, Jordan Peterson himself says we're entering a counter enlightenment. And that is a bit of what I'm seeing here. Jonathan Paggio, I don't have too much to say about him, but I think part of why they did choose him is that they're trying to create this umbrella of kind of ecumenical, uh, you know, interfaith Christianity uh, as an umbrella for this arc 
uh, you know, Jordan Peterson in a lot of the speeches for our talks about, uh, you know, how they are people under God and he's very much using that language. I, you know, again, I referenced in the beginning that he's been pretty kind of cryptic about what his actual beliefs are, even though, you know, it looks like he has made a conversion. It's entirely possible. But then when point blank asked, I, it's just interesting to me. I don't know. I'm not inside his head. However, I do think they're doing a lot of this as an umbrella Christian uh, right wing type of an organization. That's the the sentiment that they want to evoke. Uh, and I think that that's important because it's something I'm seeing playing out culturally. And it does look like a dialectic. And the thing about dialectic is while something may look like an opposite, uh, oftentimes the purposes of that is to, you know, force things in the same direction. You know, I've talked about this many times before. Uh, Hegel actually thought that the state equal God, right? So he talks about it spiraling towards the omega point. That was the omega point for him. So I think that, you know, a lot of times these dialectical tensions are presented intentionally to push towards the same goals. And I can talk a little bit more about that uh, later, but I do think that that's part of his role. Uh, I could be wrong. Again, I don't know. And this is not to criticize anybody here, but this is just, I think that might be the role. Then there's Miriam Cates. And uh, she was interesting. I listened to some of the speeches on her, you know, issues around children and families. A lot of it sounds great. She does a whole speech about uh, potty training and, uh, you know, it's, I, I just, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. It, it's a, it sounds a little bit like there's, we're trying to craft it towards the, the cultural narrative of the, you know, social conservatives, I think is really what this is focused on. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, behind the scenes, a lot of the goals are still being marched forth, which is the techno-fascist takeover, the neo-feudal system. Uh, that it seems the elites want. And it looks like they're really focusing at, at ARC on a lot of this socially conservative cultural movement, uh, which is not that I'm opposed to that. I just don't know that they're necessarily going to be a bulwark against some of this, uh, you know, depopulation, degrowth, and, uh, you know, AI takeover that is marching ahead. And then the next one was Mike Johnson. And uh, he is the current speaker of the house. And so it might sound familiar to you. I personally was not familiar with him at all before he uh, became the uh, temporary. And I'm not sure, but he may have been elected to be permanent now. Uh, I do believe so. And uh, I, again, I don't know, but my speculation is that they kind of pushed him to the forefront because he's part of this. Uh, movement, or maybe it was the other way around. Uh, but I don't think that it's unrelated, is kind of how it seems to me anyway. Um, so yeah, he's the fifth speaker of the United States uh, House of Representatives since October of 2023. Or hey, he's a member of the Republican Party. So yeah, and uh, who else do we have? We have John Anderson. And uh, he was a former deputy prime minister of Australia. Again, just another Australian. Um, and uh, again, I just thought that was kind of interesting because when you look through, I, I mean, so much beta testing comes out of Australia. I remember when I did my 
uh, I wrote an article on the, at the time it was speculative and I presented it that way about uh, the shedding and so much of the testing actually on uh, self-spreading vaccines were actually done in Australia. Uh, that's just one example, but it kind of, that was, I wrote that, you know, at the end of 2020. So it was, I, I was a little new to all of uh, this. I woke up pretty late, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm on the high speed rail now. So I'm trying to catch up, but I, I found it very interesting. And I started investigating, you know, the history of Australia and a lot of the new world order agenda that does seem to come out of it. I've also interviewed Maria Z. She very much corroborated my theory on that. So interesting that they have so many Australians on this. Uh, and then uh, Philippa Stroud, uh, who of course is uh, a CEO of uh, the Center for Social Justice, which is pretty interesting. She's CEO of ARC and uh, she's the one who keeps talking about how we need a better story. Uh, which is just sounds so much like a great narrative. And Jordan Peterson keeps saying, we need a better narrative. What is this better story? Well, I guess we're going to find out. But she's a member of the House of Lords, a chair of Social Metrics Commission. I am not sure what that is, but it sounds very social justice to me. Uh, I'm not sure how we metric social commission, uh, but I'll have to di dive into that. I'm not just not familiar uh, prior to that, she was CEO of Legatum. Again, Legatum comes up, and we know that they are major funders of ARC, and uh, that they are, their clients are also World Economic Forum. And uh, she is the chief executive, as I mentioned, the Center for Social Justice, and she served as special advisor to the Han Ian uh, Duncan Smith MP from 2010 2015 and also to the prime minister for 2012. So she is uh, no uh, foreigner to the political game. And uh, yes, Baroness Stroud. And yeah. So Vivek Ramaswamy. Sorry, I'm rushing through this. Like, get, feel free, dive in further. I just want to get through and give you an overview. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is an American entrepreneur, political and cultural thought leader and author. In 2022, he founded Strive Asset Movement, an Ohio-based firm that has a mission to restore the voices of everyday citizens in the American economy by leading companies to focus on excellence over politics. I do want to point out a couple of things about him, though. We have another Soros tie. Paul and Daisy Soros Fellow is a... Uh, he, Vivek Ramaswamy is a Paul and Soros Davy fellow. Um, and uh, his Royvent Sciences, so he's he's an entrepreneur in the big pharma arena, develops clinical stage antibody to prevent and treat acute respiratory distress syndrome, otherwise known as ARDS, in patients with COVID-19. Um, this is interesting. He is in a lawsuit currently with... Uh, to have his name scrubbed from the World Economic Forum, Young Global Leaders. I thought that was pretty interesting. I do not know all the details of that, but definitely worth investigating further. Um, he was selected as a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader in 2021, but he claims that uh, he explains on his Twitter and social media that, you know, uh, that he's suing them and that, that it wasn't true. Um, I found this article, the dossier, which, you know, does a, a dive kind of 
vetting. That's that's what that's what the title is. Vetting Vivek Ramaswamy, which you should do, especially if somebody is a uh, a political candidate, a presidential candidate, no less. Former farmer exec and newfound anti-ESG crusader has substantial ties to China, the COVID industrial complex, Pfizer, Soros Inc., and a track record of business calamities. Um, he came out of nowhere, and now he's run, running for president. So here's what he says on uh, his Twitter, now X, account about uh, the World Economic Forum. He says, funny you should bring this up. The first chapter of my upcoming book in April has the receipts of my exchanges with the World Economic Forum years ago when they repeatedly kept trying to get me named. I gave them the flight, hell no, reveals the games that the WEF plays. Um, and this was him retweeting uh, Jack Posobiec, who said that it was so strange because he found him on the list of the young global leaders. Uh, so I don't know the whole story there, but it's it's interesting and worth investigating further. He does have uh, extensive business ties to fi Pfizer. Uh, Roy Vant, which is founded by Ramaswamy, was partnered with Big Pharma in many instances. And Roy Vent has also sued Moderna, claiming patent infringement related to the disastrous uh, lipid nanoparticle delivery system. Those who are familiar with my work, I've done a lot of uh, research on the lipid nanoparticle, the DARPA hydrogel, uh, Charles Lieber's involvement, and uh, Langer. Um, so that is all very interesting. Again, I, you know, I, I can't, I don't know any more than that and i'm not you know telling you what to think of him but it, it is very interesting for somebody who is part of this arc then we have eva vlardinger brooks i hope i said her name right <laughs> she I, I don't think she is actually an official uh she i think she was just there uh but she says on her twitter x uh, really excited to be joining the alliance for responsible citizenship arc forum as one of their young leaders it's time to show the wef who's boss so what was most interesting to me about this is just that that she then goes and backtracks uh, there was a lot of backpedaling so i guess it looked very much and she had to know that how that looked it looked like they're creating a young leaders to counter the young global leaders that's that's kind of what it looks like to me um, I don't know how else to read that. And then she does this whole tweet. Um, and she it looks like she's backpedaling where she says how she's there as an independent. She was just a guest. Um, yeah, I don't know if we have that. But uh, if I can find it to read it to you. But in any case, it, yeah, she pretty much just, uh, it, it really did look like she was kind of backpedaling. She realized it was not super popular. And uh, so she made a whole big uh, thread uh, talking about how she's is there on her own independently and uh, that it's she's not an official uh, member of ARC. Um, so I, I don't know too much about her history, but I I definitely have some questions just about she kind of launched onto the scene pretty quickly as well. Um, so but uh, yeah, so you can pretty easily find that under her page. It's a it's a pretty long thread, so I'm not sure that a uh, I'll, I'll read all of that. But then uh, who else do we have? We have Michael Gove. And uh, I had mentioned him earlier. He is part of ARC. I believe he spoke there. Uh, several people have mentioned him. He's definitely on the page of the World Economic Forum. So, again, very interesting uh, for something that's countering it. Secretary of State, Department for Environment, Food, Rural Affairs of the United Kingdom. Um, he... 
I several people, uh, David Icke is one of them, but there are a couple of people who have mentioned that he was an attendee at uh, several at uh, Bilderberg group meetings. Uh, I don't have any other evidence of that other than I think I have, you know, David Icke's uh, tweet maybe saying that, but I, I've seen it on a few accounts. So, but this is the World Economic Forum showing his picture and giving his description. So, um, Here's also, yeah, so this is uh, uh, David Icke's, but there was also a, I think it was Telegraph uh, paper. And it, he, in that paper, he talked about how people who refuse the shots are selfish. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty, you know, the, the, the vid shots. So that was interesting. And uh, what else do we have on him? Oh, he's also pushing through anti-free speech laws in the UK. I found that as well. So, and he was, as I mentioned earlier, partners on the ARC, the other ARC, <laughs> the ARK, not ARC, the Absolute Return for Kids. It was a children's charity that Marshall founded with other hedge fund managers in 2002, later that year. New Labor's Education Act uh, enabled private companies and religious organizations to take over struggling schools in certain contexts. Our school took control of its first academy in 2006, and Gov was a great believer in the academy system, shadow education secretary. I don't know what's with all these shadow uh, people. But uh, in 2008, took part in the book launch for Collection of Mercies, published by Center Forum, calling for its expansion. But this is an interesting quote from Michael Gubb. He says that there are features of private markets which need to be injected into the DNA of public education. Um, sorry, that was from Marshall uh, in, in the chapter that he contributed. So I, that's interesting. Just looks like public-private partnership, essentially, which is what all of this looks like. So, okay, so we've got Legatum, and Legatum is they have Legatum Capital, the Freedom Fund, Legatum Institute, the Luminous Fund, the End Fund, the Legatum Center at MIT. I do want to point out just very briefly, MIT is one of those, uh, you, you know, MIT University. Um, but they are also very closely linked to a lot of think tanks, and they do their own think tanking and uh, research there. Uh, but one of the think tanks they are kind of tied to is Tavistock. And a lot of this just looks like there's so much uh, Tavistock type of just testing, types of research, types of uh, tactics, uh, narrative control, um, culture creation. So... I won't go too much into that. And again, I haven't found concrete evidence of that, but it does just look like from the research I've done, Tavistock has their hands all over this. So, all right, we are running out of a bit of time, but there's the end fund, uh, which just to me is anybody who says that they're going to completely eliminate tropical diseases. I mean, that's just kind of crazy. Uh, it seems a little bit uh, hubristic. <laughs> Uh, and it's also just curious to me. So why are they involved in uh, the hedge funds? So uh, with Legatum, it's and what do they? What is their involvement with Arc? It's curious to say the least. There's the Luminous Fund, which is also involved in education. They're also connected to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, oh, this was another point I wanted to make about Evie, who joined Legatum. 
that her role was that she's a human potential manager. And I guess the title just kind of was interesting to me because uh, that was very much uh, the in the first Esalen brochures that were inspired by Huxley, the title Human Potentiality. Uh, this same phrase would later morph in Midnight Brainstorming Session, uh, Michael Murphy and George Leonard into the well-known human potential movement. So again, this uh, uh, this is it did scream very uh, Tavistock to me. So, yeah, um, we went through GB News. That's uh, definitely a whole rabbit hole worthy probably of its own show. So GB News, All Perspective, LTD. I won't go too much into that. Um, but I did want to just make clear that the World Economic Forum is a client of Legatum. And that is really easy to find. Uh, there are several documents that um, that are put like World Economic Forum documents, and uh, they they thank Legatum. You know, the, they do the acknowledgments that it's the Travel and Tourism Development Index of 2021, rebuilding for a sustainable and resilient future. Uh, that was May 2022 Insight Report. Uh, their acknowledgement section, thanks, Legatum. There's a, what else was there? The Global Competitiveness Report. Uh, there, uh, at the end, their acknowledgement, they also thank Legatum. So this is from the World Economic Forum. Again, I just want to stress that. I can't stress that enough. Um, and then, who is there? I, well, there was a quick note I wanted to make about Mark Stolson, um, who is one of the CEOs of uh, Legatum. And he's also one of the controlling members of ARC. And you can see that up on the, uh, the filing. And he talked about how India has a $400 million unbanked people, which presented Legatum with a problem, but also a huge opportunity. And I won't go too much into detail into that, but I thought that was pretty interesting and it's definitely worthy of further investigation. Um, all right, so... Before I play uh, this uh, next video, I want to just talk a little bit about kind of my thoughts on all of this. I do feel like this is kind of the right, right hand, if you will, of the globalist elite World Economic Forum type plans and agenda. And it's just that you know, they keep saying they're you know creating a better story, uh, a better narrative. And I think what they're doing is they're couching it in this very Christian umbrella and, you know, socially conservative. Uh, that seems to be they're using a lot of those buzzwords. Um, oh, yeah. one. Of the, but I want to point out some of the buzzwords. I don't know if we played the video of Philippa Stroud. I've gone through so much. OK, I don't know that we have time to. But it was very interesting in that when she starts talking about a better story, a better story. Um, she, she starts off by saying a transformational mindset, uh, which is, you know, always kind of a, you know, kind of a buzzword. They're, they're going to transform. They're going to synthesize. Um, and that is very much what it looks like here. So the I'll show a picture of it's so funny in my neighborhood. There was a, a tree. It was with lights spiraling. <laughs> All I could see was the Hegelian dialectic. So we're going to show you that picture. Um, so just kind of a very, this is a very like, you know, reductionistic rudimentary explanation of the Hegelian dialectic, but you can see the horizontal dialectical movements between the opposite side. And then of course the vertical movement and the whole part just keeps shifting. 
you know, really does seem to keep shifting left, keep shifting towards totalitarianism, ultimately, because the omega point for Hegel was uh, the state, which equal God for him, you know, and this is a and not to be redundant because I've talked about this so many times, but he saw it as uh, the abstract, negative, concrete, negative. For, he translates in, in German, the word is aufheben, uh, which is an oxymoronic term. It means to lift up uh, and preserve while simultaneously destroying and tearing down from within. And that is just kind of what you see. I don't know if this is going to be presented at this very, uh, you know, palatable type of, uh, it does seem kind of mystical um, type of opposition, but really they're pushing things very much towards this uh, same trajectory. I mean, you saw the transhumanist party member is uh, on this board. So let's start, let's play a little bit. I won't have time to play much of it, but just to hear from uh, Jordan Peterson himself. Uh, this I think I we're have. at the beginning of the counter enlightenment. The propositions, the enlightenment view of man is wrong. And this, you know, out of the enlightenment view came science. But the science now indicates that the enlightenment view of man is wrong. What do you mean? Well, the enlightenment types believe that we could orient ourselves in the world, let's say empirically. That, and this is Sam Harris's proposition. You can abide by the facts. You can orient yourself as a consequence of the dispassionate analysis of the facts. You can't. And I would say the artificial intelligence engineers have figured that out. The postmodern literary critics have figured that out. The psychologists and physiologists of perception have figured it out. And the neuroscientists have figured that out. So it's not just the evidence that that view is necessarily incorrect, is overwhelming and multidimensional. You can't orient yourself by the facts. Why? Because there are as many facts as there are things. In fact, if you combine things, the nature of the combination is also a fact. So there's as many facts as there are things and combinations of things. Well, you can't orient yourself by that. That's, you drown in chaos. It's like, you're standing in the desert and there's an infinite number of directions you could go. Well, how do you choose a direction? thing I do want to point out, I don't think this was Jordan's. I think it was a, probably a sponsor of Chris uh, Willis, whose podcast it was. But the, the all-seeing eye, there was like kind of front row and center there on that can. I just thought that was very interesting, kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so I, th I think that's kind of what's going on here. They're, he said it. They're moving towards the counter-enlightenment. I may have to wait for a part two to, you know, dive further into explaining and, uh, you know, really teasing out what all of that means and what that looks like. Um, but, you know, very simply, we can just look at this. He did say, you know, we can't orient ourselves with the facts. So what are we going to orient ourselves with then? Um, you know, a very romanticized idealism, I guess, uh, if it can't be the facts. And... What we need to recognize, at least what I'm seeing, is kind of we've got these two ends marching towards each other. We've got kind of right wing type of authoritarian. And I, I hate to put it in, you know, one or the other because all roads lead towards totalitarianism. That's really, you know, all roads lead to tyranny. And I'm just seeing that the this what we have moving forward and what we see with this arc 
Uh, you know, I hope I'm really wrong, but it just looks like they're couching everything in this, uh, you know, pendulum swing of social type of cultural uh, buzzwords. But I don't hear a whole lot, you know, that's shutting down the whole, you know, depopulation, degrowth, the uh, half earth, the uh, 30 by 30, the ESG, you heard it. It's all about sustainable goals. That's really all it is. Um, and it's just couched in different words that sound more appealing to the people who oppose that. Um, I guess a great way to end it before I close out is just to play this really short clip uh, from Constantine who spoke, and he is really funny. But To my colleagues in new media especially, I say this. The legacy media is dying for a reason. They cannot be saved. They cannot be reformed. Let's stop complaining about them and start building the media empires of the future ourselves. We have everything we need. We've even got rich friends now. So I know it was a joke. He had uh, he was referencing a comment he meant earlier. He made earlier about uh, Christopher Columbus and uh, you know how it doesn't matter how wrong you are, you just need rich friends. But I there you know in, in most jokes there's a hint of truth, right? And it does kind of look like this is a billionaires club, trillionaires club, and uh, this is really not about. Uh, the people and the free will of the people, unfortunately. I hope to be very wrong, but uh, yeah, I'm going to close out and just, uh, I probably will continue this. If you enjoyed it, then uh, certainly find me at CourtneyTurner.com. That is again, it's C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And uh, you can, you know, support my work there. You can buy me a coffee there. You can also uh, send me letters, support to my P.O. Box. It is P.O. Box 680093, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. And uh, yeah, that again is P.O. Box 680093, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. And again, it's CourtneyTurner.com. And I think I have over 400 uh, videos, uh, mostly long-form interview-style videos there. So... I look forward to hearing from you and you can check out, uh, I hope you stay tuned for future uh, episodes here at this time on Mondays. And I look forward to spending time with you then. So again, that's CourtneyTurner.com. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.